I love you guys. I love Heart of the Father ministry. I love this house. I love all that God's doing. It, it, what He's just walking through the building and just I'm excited and just love what He's doing here. And um, Amen. Father, release your presence and meet us tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to highlight a couple of things. One is I uh, I just got in this afternoon. I didn't get to hear her, but I want to vouch for Tammy Sutherland. And this book, Permission to Burn, she is a burning woman of God, and she's a mother in this generation to set a generation on fire. And so I just want to highlight this book. You want to get it. I'm not giving this one. This is my signed copy from her, and the foreword is from a really cool guy. It's me. And so, uh, <laughs> so you guys get this, all right? Buy them all. She just released this. There's nothing more vulnerable in the whole wide world then letting the Lord birth things in you, you walk them out for a decade, and then the Lord calls you to write it and put it on paper. There's nothing more vulnerable than do that. You, it's like having a kid. You know, I haven't had, you know, physical kids, but they're like having kids when part of you is put out into manifestation. And so you guys buy this and encourage her and sow into this because it's her soul on paper, and that just blesses me for what she's doing with that. Make sure I don't remember that. And I, um, everybody turn your Bibles to Revelation 22. Revelation 22. I, um, I don't know if we have a graphic up. I, uh, I'm doing uh, these online classes called 40 Days of Teaches to Pray. And I've done one back in the spring. And I, my life's mission and passion is to, uh, there it is. I don't know who the girl is, but it looks kind of cool with that hat. But, um. <laughs> My, I have settled it. You know, I think you spend your 20s just doing everything. Your 30s, realizing what you're not really good at. And your 40s, you start landing about why you've been created. And I feel like I've just crossed over. I'm 42. And I feel like my, one of my main purposes on this earth is to be a man of prayer, to awaken prayer, and to write on prayer. I want to teach the next generation how to pray. That's what I want to do with my life. I want to father them. I want to birth a generation into the life of prayer because I believe it's on the life of prayer that the spirit of prayer falls. The spirit of prayer falls on the life of prayer, which means this, boring produces the construct for the glory. <laughs> Showing up to boring prayer meetings builds the construct that God can authenticate and release his match to. I might have to get the handheld. Um, <laughs> all right. He's encouraging me. I'm going to stay in it. I'm going to stay in the furnace. Yeah, put that back up here, though. So with that, I, I have like, God, how can we do it? How can we use technology? How can we reach this generation? I have been traveling extensively for 18 years. I love it. It's always going to be a part of what I do, but I'm in a mode of this season of really wanting, I'm locked in in Dallas, Texas, after spending 18 years in Kansas City. We're now in Dallas at the Upper Room Church, and I'm discipling young people, and I'm doing it there. I'm, that's the mode I'm moving into, and I'm saying, God, how can we use technology to equip the next generation in prayer? So with this course, we got one coming up October 2nd through about November 8th or 9th, whatever that time is, maybe it's November 10th. Uh, we're doing a 40 days of Teach Us to Pray. We got about 35 videos that, uh, that you buy the course. 
35 videos, about 10 minutes apiece around Holy Spirit, intercession, roadblocks in prayer, and then we do a once a week live prayer meeting. And so I'm going to get on there with you. I'm going to give about a 20 to 30 minute exhortation. We're going to pray for about 20 minutes and then we'll do Q&A every week. And I want to invite you to join with me. You can go on CoreyRussellOnline.com. You can get onto it tonight. If you put on 20 off in the code thing, it'll knock off 20% off of it. This is stuff that I've labored into, and, I, and, and this is stuff we've given ourselves to. This is what I want to be about for the next 40 years is discipling the next generation in prayer. Okay? All right, I don't feel your faith. Are you, you got good memories? I said CoreyRussellOnline.com. Uh, hopefully you got good memories. I don't see nobody writing it down. <laughs> All right, good, good. CoreyRussellOnline.com. 20 off in the code. You're like, why is he charging? Because I've been laboring over this thing for 20 years. I've spent hundreds of thousands of hours sweating, bleeding, crying, wrestling over Bible verses. And I want to take what I've given, and there's an investment. There's an investment on your part. There's an investment of money, of real money, and of real time, and of real energy. And I'm going to show up, and you're not going to get half of me. You're going to get all of me. That's why we want you to do it. Young people, take the money and invest it. I love some of the posts of Jeremiah on Facebook about this generation saying, why do I got to go over there? Or why do I got to go over there to go to that conference or to do that? I want to tell you, invest these years into where you want to go. And it's going to look like money. It's going to look like inconvenience. And it's going to look like you leaning in and pulling on things in God. If Elisha didn't see Elijah take off, he wouldn't have got that mantle. <clears throat> All right. That's just because I didn't see nobody writing it down. <laughs> you better write it down, CoreyRussellOnline.com. All right, good. 20 off. There it is. All right. Revelation twenty two seventeen. Well, first off, let's let's go to Matthew nine real quick. Then we'll get there. Go to Matthew nine. I believe that we're in the middle of a great shift in the body of Christ. We all know that. We feel that. Got to find the page that has Matthew nine on it. Here we go. <laughs> Just fell out of my Bible. <laughs> Look at verse 14. I want to hit this quickly and I want to get to Revelation 22. The disciples of John came to Jesus and they go, Why do we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? <clears throat> Jesus said to them, Can the friends of the bridegroom mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? He says, But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. No one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch pulls away from the garment, and the tear is made worse. Nor do they put new wine into old wineskins, or else the wineskins break, the wine is spilled, and the wineskins are ruined, but they put new wine into new wineskins, and both are preserved. The disciples of John and the Pharisees are in the same home group together. 
And they are the picture of what, of, of what seeking after God looks like. It's filled with lots of fasting, lots of praying, lots of intense discipline. And they're looking at Jesus and his disciples. And they go, why do we fast and pray all the time? But all you guys do is hang out and you're at the buffet all the time. You don't, your, your seeking after God doesn't look like our seeking after God. And Jesus is going to answer their question with another question. And he's saying, you've got to understand something. Can the friends of the bridegroom mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? First off, I want you to see that Jesus is going to connect spiritual disciplines to the revelation of him as bridegroom. And he's going to connect us in our pursuit of God as friends of the bridegroom. All right, I want you to see this because G, the, 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 the most, we'll, we'll get to it. This is what Jesus is going to say. I'm just going to say it to you. Jesus says, I have one agenda for these three and a half years, and it's called addicting them to my presence. I am so I'm addicting them to my presence and so addicting them to my word that the days are coming when the bridegroom will be taken away from them. He's talking about his death and his ascension. And Jesus is saying, when I am taken from them, they will be so cut to the heart and so addicted to proximity to me. They will be so used to my presence and so used to nearness to me that when I'm gone, they will be cut to the heart and they will begin to mourn for me. I love the phrase Jesus says, and then they will fast. He doesn't wonder about it. He doesn't say, is it going to take? And what Jesus is saying is, I'm introducing a new paradigm of spiritual disciplines. And it's not about working to get God's attention. It's about lovesick people who have been so ruined over his presence. They will skip meals. They will rearrange their schedules. They will go to bed at 10 and wake up at 5 to spend the first hours before the Lord. They will get so addicted to the presence, they will build their whole lives around hosting proximity and, and keeping fresh salt on the wound of the longing for the coming of Jesus. Do you know what prayer ultimately is? It's missing Jesus and wanting Him to be closer. Prayer is ultimately missing Jesus and wanting Him to be closer. And I believe this is so interesting because Jesus is going to connect that whole reality to new wine and new wineskins. And what Jesus is saying, guys, I'm ushering in a whole new paradigm of what it means to go after God. And it's going to be based out of desire. It's going to be based out of longing. And it's going to be based out of addiction to my presence. And he says you can't put new wine into old wineskins. I just want to say to you, I, I believe that we're in the middle of a wineskin shift in the body of Christ. I believe that God is placing mourning for the bridegroom at the center of the local church in this hour. I want you, are you awake? Let me just say it to you like this. The days of 45 minutes and 20 bucks are over. 
The days of Sunday-only Christianity are over. It's idolatry. It's idolatry. Jesus didn't die for 45 minutes and 20 bucks. So we could spend the other six days, 23 hours and 15 minutes of our week disconnected. The Bible began in a corporate prayer meeting. Acts 4, they got another outpouring on a corporate prayer meeting. Acts 10, on the house of Cornelius, it was a corporate prayer that broke open the gospel into the Gentile world. And I believe God's raising up friends of the bridegroom who are going to put ministry to God and mourning for the bridegroom at the center of the local church. And that will be the new wineskins that will handle apostolic government, apostolic resource, and apostolic authority. And the churches that refuse to put God at the center are going to become useless. They're not going to make it into this next move. That's what happens when you read your Bible. <laughs> I know there's those leather lamb bound ones or whatever, but. <laughs> now turn with me to Revelation 22. New wine into new wineskins. New wine into new wineskins. The churches, the leaders, The leaders that place God at the center, mourning for the bridegroom. Do you love his presence? Yes, we do. Amen. Look at Revelation twenty-two seventeen. 17. The spirit and the bride say, come. Let him who hears say, come. Let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. I want to say it again. Everybody say, the Spirit, Spirit. and the bride. the bride. Say, come. Say, come. say it again. Say, the Spirit, Spirit. and the bride. the bride. Say, come. That verse, 17a, right there, is a picture of what we're going to look like before the Lord returns. I, I think it's so interesting that this is one of the last verses of our Bible. It took the whole Word of God to get us here. It took specifically the whole book of Revelation to get us here. That right there is a prophecy about what we're going to look like before Jesus returns. God is going to use global outpouring of the Holy Spirit and a great tribulation to get us there. What you see in that verse are three realities. Number one, the days are coming when the Holy Spirit and the church are going to come into unity with one another. Right now, Holy Spirit's been on FM for the last 2,000 years, and we've been on AM. But the days are coming to when Holy Spirit and the church are going to come into unity with one another. This was Jesus' prayer in John 17. It wasn't for more potluck dinners. It wasn't so that we could get along and bury the hatchet with that church down the road. I think that's awesome. Do that. But that's not John 17. That's, that's good. But what he's talking about is us getting caught up into a holy fellowship of the Godhead and that God would, would bring us into something. I love John 17, 22. He says, the glory that you've given me, I have given them that they may be one in us as you're in me and I'm in you. 
The Holy Spirit in the church is going to come into unity with one another. Number two, the church is going to begin to operate in a specific identity. It's a bridal identity. You need to be saying to yourself a lot, bridegroom and bride language. The revelation of Jesus as bridegroom is going to flood the church before he returns. We're going to fall in love with our heavenly bridegroom. He's going to ravish our hearts with his love, his tenderness, his passion, and it is going to deliver you from religion, and it's going to bring you into divine partnership with him. We have so much orphanhood, widowhood in the church, but I know that before he returns, we're going to be walking in a bridal identity. And when the nitrogen of unity with the Holy Spirit and a bridal identity hits the glycerin of bridal identity, we're going to see a global explosion called come. The Spirit and the bride say, come. Come. It's the cry. It's the breakthrough cry. It's the prayer of breakthrough. God is going to use a lot of glory and a lot of gory to get us here. God is going to use a global outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Acts 2.17 All flesh everywhere on every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. God is going to touch every nation across the earth. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God. I will pour out of my Spirit on how much flesh? All flesh. See, it's not going to be just reserved to one location. God's going to explode in Lakeland, we'll fly over to London, and we'll step right into the same outpouring in London. We'll fly to Frankfurt, step right into the same outpouring. We'll fly to India, step into the same outpouring. We'll fly to China, we'll step into the same. We'll fly. God will be breaking out all over the earth. Glory. See, I want you to know that unity is not the work of man. It says, the glory that you've given me, I've given them, that they may be one just as we are one. It's going to take glory to get us there. It's not us working harder. We need those bridal preparations. We need beauty preparations. We need the glory of the Holy Spirit. And that's why we've got to get back to upper rooms and put God back at the center. A praying church is the only church. We're going to see global outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Guys, that's what's burning on me right now. I don't feel like I'm going to go there tonight. But I just want to encourage you. Guys, you've got the library from heaven here. You guys have the library from heaven here. Study revival history. Look at what happens when individuals get a vision that God could touch their nation and their generation. And we'll see some Evan Roberts come up out of this place that get a vision of in one year, the whole map of Wells, 1904, the whole nation set on fire. And God says, I'll give you 100,000 souls. For a year, he paced up and down in his living room, just pacing up and down, crying out. The woman underneath him thought he was going insane. Jesus would come and meet with him from 1 a.m. to 5 a.m. every night for a year. I'm not, I'm, Jesus came and visited him and prepared him for this. And in 1904, the glory of God hit Wells. 100,000 new converts. The prostitution, the brothels turned into singing 
uh, uh, places where the men would come back in there to hook up with their girl, and now they're all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they would just sing worship songs. you got to get a vision for God to overtake regions with the manifest presence of God. Revival are those seasons when God openly manifests the rule and the reign of Jesus by the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and apostolic preaching. Revival are those seasons that give us a snapshot of the coming day when Jesus is back on the planet, ruling over everything. And we get to see the season of trampling, the season of dismantling, the season of destruction over all the works of the devil. When we talk about revival, we're not talking about church growth transfer. We're not talking about, I got a seven-day revival coming up in a week. I'm not talking about come to my three-day revival. If you can plan it, it's not revival. I'm okay giving it a lowercase r, but it's a lowercase r. You just need to make sure that when you say come to our revival, it's lowercase. Because revival is when God takes the field and man falls into the background. It's not about man's great gifting or his ability to pontificate and articulate and how beautiful and how great his clothes are and how perfect the worship team does it and how everything is so tight and so pretty and everything is so awesome. Revival is when man falls into the background and God takes the field. And he doesn't just break into churches. God breaks into crack homes, pedophile rings. Human trafficking rings. There's no place that's hidden from the presence of God. He breaks in and there's nothing that can stop him. When you hear about Duncan Campbell, the Hebrides Islands, two old women, 84 and 82-year-old women, one arthritis bent over, the other one blind. And they prayed him in and says, Duncan, come. He says, I can't. They go, you need to hear God and get your behind over here. He came over there, he goes, all right, I'll do a meeting. Ended up staying there two years. And his story is he gets awakened one night at 3 a.m. He gets awakened at 3 a.m. from the police chief and says, please come to the police station. And this is his diary. I'm walking to the police station, and as I am, all the lights and every house is on, and it's 3 a.m. And everyone is outside their houses laying over hay bales, crying out to God with conviction and crying out to God for mercy. He walks to the police station. It is completely packed. He walks in and begins to interview one of the guys and go, why are you in here? And the guy goes, I don't know. All that I know is that everything I've ever done, listen, everything I've ever done wrong was made known to me. And I knew I had to turn myself into the cops. We haven't seen that. Young people, you want to get a vision. It's for God to take over regions. God to take over square, 100 mile, 500 mile zones of the glory of God where the spirit of conviction, that John 16, 8, the spirit of conviction. Apostolic preaching. David Brainerd preaching to a bunch of drunk Native Americans in the Northeast. Preaching to 40 of them through a drunk interpreter. 
And he says, and, I, and it was un, unlike anything I've ever seen, he says it was an irresistible force that laid everyone bare. He goes, little kids were crying out for the badness of their hearts. We some five-year-olds under conviction. That's what we need. When I talk about global glory, guys, we've seen great awakenings in this nation. First great awakening, God exploded. Second great awakening, 500,000 new converts in a matter of eight weeks in upstate New York. God broke out in wells. It went to Azusa Street in 1906. God used a, a, a humble black pastor blind in one eye who wasn't even baptized in the Holy Spirit but yet was preaching it. And God used that man as the catalyst to release one of the greatest outpourings of the Holy Spirit that we're still reaping the fruits from today. They said that people would be walking by, see the building on fire, call the fire department. And say the building's on fire. They would get there and they go, it's not a physical fire, it's a spiritual fire. But yet everybody can see it. Frank Bartleman would say, I would be a mile outside that building and I would have to ask God for grace to be able to stand up to walk there. I want you to get a vision. I, I, this is, I, I had two messages going on inside of me. It was the one I preached last year, Hosea 10, 12. Break up your fallow ground. It's time to seek the Lord till He comes and rains righteousness on you. I believe we're in a preparation season. I don't understand this, but September and October are key months in the prophetic calendar of God. I know it has to do with the Jewish calendar. I know it has to do with the high holy days. It's a season of introspection, a season of inventory, and a season of preparation into the next season in God. And there's a divine window that's opened up in these two months. And I would say to you by the word of the Lord, add fasting more in this next season. Set apart more time in this season to seek God. Put your heart before Him and say, God, there's nothing sacred in my life that you can't touch. There's nothing that I, I want you to put your finger on anything I'm looking at, listening to, talking about, or doing that is out of alignment with your will. And I believe that he's going to visit us with another outpouring. I, I'm, I got it in my bones. I got revival in my bones. I got faith in my heart. Young people, just get a vision. Old people, come on. Global outpouring. But a lot of us just think if glory comes, all of our problems will go away. I want you to understand that when revival comes, all the gray areas are removed and it's light and darkness purely manifested. That's what happened on the day of Pentecost. That's what picked a fight. Is now that the heavens are opened, everybody comes out to play. The wickedness of men. The rage of Satan. The judgments of God. We are going to see a great tribulation touch the end time church across the earth. The enemy wants to feed us with this complacent thing that we'll get out of here. Beloved, he is going to bring a church through the glory and through the fire and bring forth a church that is fully in unity with Jesus, that loves what he loves, that loves his leadership, that partners with his will. The last book of the Bible is not called the revelation of the Antichrist. It's not called the revelation of Satan. 
It's not called the revelation of seals, trumpets, and bowls. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. And we're going to fall in love with Jesus. But He will shake your American dream. He will shake it. Make no mistake about it. Great tribulation and global outpouring is going to bring us to Revelation twenty two seventeen. 17. This is what presence and pressure does. Because if you even think about what God has used in your life to get you to this point, He has two ingredients. Presence and pressure. Presence and pressure produce prayer. Presence and pressure produce prayer. You're going to get jacked. You're going to get blown up at the conference. And then we're going to go home and we're going to hit life. We're going to hit life. We're going to hit wife. We're going to run into stuff. We're going to run right into, I'm glad you've been getting the glory all weekend. Now do the dishes. Fold the clothes. Do something. Here's the kids for the next four days. I'm tired. (laughs) We got pressures. Pressures in our marriage, pressures in families, pressures in finances, pressures in struggles, two steps forward, three steps back. And we've we've envisioned this utopian day once all of our problems are away. And the Lord's saying, "Uh uh-uh, this is how I prepare you. Presence and pressure, it delivers you from independence. It delivers you from independence of thinking you can do Christianity in your own strength, your own wisdom, your own ability, your own resource, and it drives you into a deeper dependence on Holy Spirit. Presence and pressure deliver you from independence and isolation. It delivers you from thinking you can do this in your own ability, and it delivers you from thinking you're your own island. We're going to need each other. That's what that unity movement's about. It's about the unity of the faith, the knowledge of the Son of God. The Spirit and the Bride say come. And there's coming a revelation of Holy Spirit. Everybody put your hand on your belly. Come on. Because this is what presence and pressure. Hear me. Hear me. Do you know the Holy Spirit? No, no. Do you know? I'm not talking about what's going to happen later at the ministry time. Do you know Him? Are you intimate with Him? I lay my hands on many of you and there ain't nothing going on down here. You haven't cultivated a well of communing prayer, fellowshipping prayer, receiving prayer. You haven't cultivated your interior life and the garden that's supposed to be set apart for Him is a forest filled with weeds. Filled with so many other places of, and we haven't learned to cultivate our interior life. Presence and pressure drives you into deeper dependence on Him. Because you will only unify with that which you submit to. Holy Spirit, I believe with all my heart that one of the greatest ways to prepare for the end times is to develop a rich history of intimacy with Holy Spirit. 
one of the most practical things you can do to prepare for the end times is learn how to talk to the Holy Spirit. Praying in the Holy Spirit. Fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit. Everybody just say Holy Spirit. And we're going to talk about him for a little bit. He's going to show up. I love Holy Spirit. I love him so much. I'm so grateful for Holy Spirit. Most of us will let him come out in the meetings, but most of us live disconnected from him in our normal lives. We live mostly in our own wisdom, our own abilities, our own gifts, our own ways, but God wants to create a people who live 24-7 leaning on the Holy Spirit. Do you know him? Do you know him? See, religion will let you look really good, even Pentecostal religion. Charismatic religion will, will let you do all the forms. You'll have your tongue, satarakata. You'll have all your stuff on the outside, but there's deadness on the inside. There can be Pentecostal and you got the Holy Ghost, but many of us have not let the Holy Ghost have His way in retransforming our interior life. Because Holy Spirit wants to break through just forms and meetings and He wants to get up into your business and He wants to start confronting the secret areas on the inside of you. The secret areas of independence. The secret places you run to to medicate your pain. To anesthetize your pain. The shame, the rejection, the fear, the hiding places. He wants to do rearranging, rearranging of furniture on the inside of you. Do you understand that you are the garden of the Lord? We're going to get there. Holy Spirit. I believe it with all my heart because we, we love it. We, we'll let him come out for our meetings. We'll let it do all that. Do you know him? Do you know the Holy Spirit? You're intimate with him. What's he saying to you? Many of us treat him like the uncle at Christmas. Do you know that this is what Holy Spirit does? Holy Spirit, when you really get after developing intimacy with him, he's going to jack your world up. He's going to jack your world up. He's coming. I want to say what I'm feeling in 2019. The baptism of fire is coming to the church. And it will look like a lot of confrontation. It will look like a lot of ambitions and a lot of secret pride and a lot of secret jealousy and envy and lust that will begin to emerge on the inside of you and you will find an inferno open up on the inside of you as you come into contact that you're not as awesome as you thought. And that's actually the work of the Holy Spirit carving out space on the inside of you so He can fill you. Fire will first confront to conform. We treat Him like the uncle at Christmas. Y'all ever have a drunk uncle at Christmas? Anybody used to be the drunk uncle? <laughs> I guess nobody in here, praise God. You're over there judging him. We all get together for Christmas and you put uncle in the back. You know he's always a little tipsy and what you do is you bring his food out to him in a back room. Because this is what uncle will do if he comes in a little tipsy. He will start stirring up every elephant in the family. He will start dealing with mom's issue with daughter-in-law, dad's issue with son, cousin's issue with them. 
and he will begin to stir a swirl. And we will go from the perfect Instagram-worthy Christmas picture <laughs> to reality. And Holy Spirit is that uncle. We want to keep him off in the back room. We want to keep him off in the back room saying, we'll let you out on Sunday morning at 10, but you go back in at noon. I won't let you put your finger on what I talk about, what I listen to, and what I look at. He wants to take ownership. I believe that we're in the baptism of fire moment. I believe Matthew 3.11. Can you put Matthew 3.11? Do you know the most quoted revelation of Jesus that John the Baptist shared in all four Gospels? It wasn't Lamb of God. It wasn't Bridegroom and it wasn't Messiah. It was there is one coming who will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. Look at this. He goes, I indeed baptize you with water, which means I can clean the outside of the cup unto repentance. I can get you ready to be prepared for the next wave. He says, but he who is coming after me, he's mightier than I. Him, his sandals I'm not even worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Keep going. He says this. His winnowing fan is in his hand and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. The fire will judge you to bring you into unity with him. He will first confront you because you only conform and come into unity with that which you submit to. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Who wants the fire of God in your life? I don't want to just, I don't want an impartation just from someone else's. I want to build a resting place for the fire of God. I want the Malachi 3 and 4. I want to be refined as a son of Levi so I can offer a pure offering. I want the launderer's soap. I want the refining fire so my lips would be purified when I sing. The baptism of fire, it's judgment. He's going to deal with the chaff. He's going to deal with the religion. He's going to deal with the secret places of sin and idolatry and shame and fear and rejection. He's going to burn up the chaff, but he's going to bring forth the wheat. The baptism of fire. Look with me in Luke 12, 49. This one's going to offend you. You know, several times Jesus tells us why he came. One of the times he says, I came to seek and save the lost. I came to lay down my life and give it as a ransom. I came to do a lots of cool stuff. Right here, he says, I came to send fire on the earth, and I wish this party were already started. This, now keep this up here. This is six months before Jesus has died, before the cross, and Jesus is telling them, he's opening up his heart in Luke 12, 49, and he said, guys, do you want to know why I'm here on earth? I came to send fire. And I wish it were already kindled. Which means I can't wait to die so I can get closer to you. 
That's what Jesus is saying. I want to get through the cross so I can get inside of you. You ever long for greater intimacy with somebody? But it's almost like you can't do it. This is Jesus saying, I want to get closer to you. Do you know he's a bridegroom and he longs for greater intimacy and greater access on the inside of you? I call him a real estate developer. He wants to carve out places on the inside of you that are set apart for him. We know the famous verse, Revelation 3.20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him. Do you know that's not for the lost? Jesus, why are you knocking at the church, church's door? Don't you already live in us? He goes, I do, but I don't. He wants to get closer to you. Stay with this. Now go back to Luke 12, 49. I came to send fire in the earth, how I wish it were already kindled, but I have a baptism to be baptized with. He's talking about his death and how distressed I am till it is accomplished. Look at that. How distressed I am until it is accomplished. Do you suppose that I came to give peace on earth? Yes, Jesus. You want everybody along. Get along. Who's talking about this Jesus? I tell you not at all, but I came to bring division. Jesus says, do you want to know why I'm on earth? Because it has to do with the fire. The fire will first divide to bring about unity on his terms. No, no, you're not listening to me. Who in here got hot after God and a storm started at home? This is what the fire of God does. It divides. Get out of the mindset that Jesus is some hippie wanting everybody to get along. And let's just lay down our issues. No, it's about we're going to unify around fire. We're going to unify around fire. Around fire's ownership on the inside of you. Unity of the Spirit is not just... It has to do with the person that has given way to the flame of God on the inside of them. Those are the people that unify. Who has submitted to the work of God on the inside of you and let Him carve out, burn up, deal with all the hiding places, all the safe places, all the medicating and anesthetizing and running and hiding and the fire of God has burnt up a forest and made it a home for Him. From now on, five in one house will be divided. Here's Christmas dinner. Three against two, two against three, father against son, son against father, mother against daughter, a whole bunch of in-laws and outlaws and everybody else. That's what the fire of God does. It gets what's Jesus saying? He's saying that I won't share you with anybody. And I will get in the middle of the most intimate family relationships to have you for myself. He will get in the middle of a marriage. He will get in the middle of a son and a father. He will get in the middle of a brother and a sister. And it will be awkward and it will be weird for a season. And he will not quickly 
settle it. But he says, we're going to have unity on my terms. Give way to the flame. Give way to the flame. Submit to the flame. Submit to the flame. That's the Song of Solomon 8.6. Set me as a seal upon your heart. Many waters cannot quench love. That's the seal of divine love on your heart where Jesus and the first commandment is first place. He's using glory, he's using the rain, and he's using the fire. Ephesians 5, 26. Can you put this up here, sir? This is where we're going. That he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word. Next verse. That he might sanctify, that he, verse 27, that he might present her to himself a glorious church. Not having what and what? Spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. How is he going to get the spots out? It's the water of the word. It's the cleansing rains. How is he going to get the wrinkles out? It's called the heat of the divine iron being applied to your life as the fire of God begins to get the wrinkles out on the inside of you. Do we want this? Holy Spirit comes in with His fire and He wants to burn up all the chaff called wrong views of God. He wants to burn up all the chaff. Do you understand how, much, how many perversions and half-truths and lies you believe about God? Do you understand right here in the, in the atmosphere of your mind how many lies you buy into? The fire of the Holy Spirit purifies the way you see God and it purifies the way that you see yourself it removes the views of God as a taskmaster as an indifferent God that's disconnected from you it burns up every lie that says God writes hot checks he makes promises but never backs them up do you understand how much idolatry entertainment of thoughts about God that are unworthy of him the fire of the Holy Spirit burns Come on. Jesus. Here's the thing right here. We have so much stuff. There's such a block between here and here. Okay? There's a block. We don't know nothing about this realm. We have not cultivated. We have not cultivated our interior life. We don't even understand what I'm talking about. Some of us do. Most of us don't. And we think it's about getting that impartation or getting that person laying hands on us. You can fill up as much Bible in your head, but until the fire of God springs up and anoints that word, it's deadness. Until you mix, we say it, the Word and the Spirit. you got to have the Spirit rising up and the Word coming down. And that's what releases the explosion. It's 
not about learning just more Bible. It's Bible with intimacy with the Holy Spirit. You want to cultivate that place. You want to break up that ground. You want to build a highway for the flowing life of God to flow in and out of you. We think it's about, this is what religion is. How pretty do you look to everybody else? They're filled with dead man's bones. With fake smiles. Secret lust. Secret shame. Secret fears. I want the fire of God to burn up. I want, I want to build a highway in here. Fire, I want to build a highway in here. Because this is what happens as you grow in intimacy with the Holy Spirit. He's going to break off blindness concerning Jesus. He's going to break off blindness concerning Jesus. And eye salve is going to be applied to your life. And you're going to begin to see the beautiful bridegroom. You're going to see him like you've never seen him. You're going to feel the why behind the what of Calvary. You're going to touch the burning heart of God. That when, when humanity went, after, went away from him, God came and took on our flesh. He came and he put on our form. And the life you could not live, he lived. The death you could not die, he died. He bore the wrath of God for your sins. For your sins took you into that grave broke the power of the grave sins to the right hand of the father where he forever lives to make intercession and he's coming again he's coming again because you're only going to want jesus to the degree you see jesus you're not going to want somebody you're not seeing do you know what i'm talking about the spirit of revelation do you know the spirit of burning? Do you know what I'm talking about? When Bible verses get set on fire, when Bible verses get lodged on the inside of you, and the spirit of burning comes on you, and your ears burn, and your heart burns. We've gotten so used to never feeling anything, we've built theologies of dryness. It could be your dullness, and that you give everything else to everybody else, and you have no appetite for real pleasure. It's not a theology of dryness. You're dull. And we just built theology. Well, I'm in another dry season. That ain't his fault. How? Oh. How? Oh. I want to call out. I want the revelation of Jesus to be opened up over your life. I want the cry of the Holy Spirit, the revelation, because this is what Holy Spirit, He awakens the bridal language. He awakens the bridal language, the intimacy language. You talk to God differently. You see God differently. You relate with God differently, and you long for Him differently when Holy Spirit comes in your life. And I pray that God would rip the badge off of every tongue-talking person so we would get a real baptism in the Holy Spirit. I don't care if you got tongues, this tongue's got you. I don't care what theological thing you agree with. Is there a river flowing out of you? Is there a river of fire flowing out of you? Do you know their mind? Because that's the spirit and the bride say come. Do you understand that the Holy Spirit is the dowry? It is the gift of the bridegroom to us. Do you know he's the guarantee? He's the dowry. He's the gift from the bridegroom saying, I'll be back. 
It's bridal realities. Jesus. Jesus. Let's just break up some ground. I know you're tired. He's not. Fire. See, this is what happens. When you break through the surface, prayer emerges. It's the cry of come. It's the cry of come. I want closer. I want you to come to me in greater intimacy. I want you to come near us in revival. And I want you to come for me. I want you to come to me, near me, and for me. Do you know why Jesus is going to come back? It's because we want him to. He's not going to come back to a bored bride that's drunk on the American dream. He's not going to come back to a church that's saying, Jesus, stay on up there. I want to get a little older. He's going to awaken a church that's going to say, Jesus, I want to be closer to you. I want heaven and earth to become one. I want heaven and earth to become one. Come, 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 kingdom, come, come, come. That's the spirit of prayer. When the spirit and the bride say come, that's the breakthrough prayer. Jesus. Holy Spirit, help us. Help us, God. We need to, there's one to awaken that groan within us. And the fact that a lot of this doesn't make sense to a lot of you is just where we're at. Fire. 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 Open up your hands. Fire. 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 God, awaken it, God. Shataye. Want to invite you to stand all over the room. Let's begin to pray. What is it going to take? I want you to lift your hands and we're going to pray in the Spirit. Oh! He's going to baptize many of you with the Holy Ghost right now. Oh! There's one coming. Come on, reach for him. Break up that fallow ground. Break up that fallow ground. Till up that soil. Till up that hard soil. Pray till you pray. Pray till you pray. Pray till you pray. God, send your fire, God. 